Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. All right, if you guys want to go ahead and take your seats. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Good to see you. Good to hear you sing. Welcome. So we're, uh, you know, we're kind of ushering in the new year. One of the things that we like to do at City Beautiful is to really slow down and allow space for the Lord to speak, to guide us, because I think it's so easy for us to rush into the new year with our resolutions and with our goals and the things that we want to accomplish, and we so easily forget to create space for God to speak to us to show us what, what he might want for our year, where he might want to take us. So last year we talked, or last week rather, we talked about our yearly vision. And as we mentioned before, every October, our leaders, elders, um, some kind of key people in our community gather together and we pray and we ask the Lord, you know, we kind of reflect on the past year, what has God done and what is God continuing to do? And then we ask the Lord for vision for the following year. And whatever people bring together from that time, it might be a word or a phrase, or it might be a hunch, it might be um, scripture, whatever it might be, I take all of that, and then through the month of November, I pray over it and try to find the common thread that would speak to what the Lord might have for us in the new year. So for 2023, it is be strong and take heart. Um, And we talked about last week how oftentimes uh, I think good vision um, isn't prescriptive in the sense that you understand it from the get-go. In fact, I think like any culture you can understand in an afternoon is not a very compelling culture, right? Like if you can just step into something, this is my whole thing against the seeker-friendly church model. Like if you can walk into church in an hour and a half, you're like, I understand the gospel. I understand this Trinitarian God who like existed before time and blah, blah, blah. If you can get it all, it's not very compelling and it's probably not very true. And I think a lot of times the vision from the Lord, it's more like, you know, uh, Israel going through the desert and God provides for them um, this food, and they call it manna. You know what the word manna means? What is it? Like, that's the vision, you know? It's like, for them, it's like, well, what is it? I don't know. Let's call it that. And it's like, it's, it's much about the questions that vision elicits in us about where God might take us, as much as giving us any semblance of answers. And then I think really good vision from the Lord, it's like when we kind of, when we arrive in the proverbial promised land, and we'd look back and we go, oh my goodness, look at how God has fulfilled God's promises in ways that I couldn't possibly have imagined. And that's really what vision looks like um, in our community. So last week we talked about this vision, and, and I think it has something to do with partly recognizing the strength that we already have because of what we've all gone through together and individually. I think it has something to do with learning to become stronger as people, but becoming stronger in kingdom ways. Um, and we, we kind of honed in, as, um, as Megan mentioned earlier on Psalm 27, uh, and that like kind of final line, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And that waiting is this active attention. You know, waiting on the Lord is not like waiting for a bus where you're just kind of sitting there, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for the, like, the bus to come by, and then if you miss it, oh gosh, you just gotta wait for the next one. Waiting for the Lord is this this eager attention. It's almost like you're you're God's 
waiter in God's dining room and you're waiting for him to ask things of you or to, to, to send you on the move. Like that's what this waiting on the Lord looks like. So when we wait for the Lord, there is this submission to God, um, this attention where when the moment comes, we're invested, we're already there and we're ready for whatever it has, what God might have for us. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna talk today about moving from our communal vision for the year as City Beautiful Church uh, to, for, to a personal vision for each one of you. Um, so Father, we testify to the truth that you are here, that you are with us, that you are for us and you are not against us. And Lord, we thank you for time at the beginning of the year to, to slow down, to resist the compulsions to busyness, to activity for activity's sake, um, and to the idolatry of productivity. Um, that our, that our, our choice to be here with you and with one another is an act of resistance against so much in our world that would demand our attention, that would distract us from what really matters. And there is only truly one thing that matters, Lord, to be present to you, to be here in this moment to see what you might have to speak and what you have to reveal to each one of us. So Lord, I pray as we continue on today that you would be almost doing that work behind the scenes that you so often do when we're not you know, maybe we're not necessarily kind of combing through the details of our lives where you begin to highlight things and soften our hearts to really receive a word from you and to trust um, that it's actually from you. So may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So first let's talk about the idea of listening to the voice of God. I know that's very intimidating for a lot of people, either because perhaps you grew up in a church community where that wasn't a thing, like that God doesn't speak, or if he does, he only speaks to professional Christians uh, and not you amateurs. Um, or maybe you grew up in a church environment where there was this idea of God speaking, um, but it was, it was manipulative. It was used as a power grab, you know, I, it's always like the, you know, the, guy's, the guy's preaching and it's like almost every Sunday he like looks to the top right corner because that's where God is. And he's like, what? Yes, Lord, yes. And then like just conveys the word, you know? Um, it's a very, it's, a, it's an icky thing for some people and I understand that, but um, we don't want to be the kind of people who are afraid of this radical notion that God is alive and speaks today and speaks to us individually just because we've seen it uh, abused or misused. Um, so we must believe that God desires to speak to each of us and that we're each capable of hearing God's voice. I think those two halves are incredibly important. Number one, to believe that God wants to speak to you. I like to think of God being on the edge of God's seat, waiting uh, for you to turn around to him so that he can speak to you. Uh, and you must believe that you are capable of hearing God's voice that it's not just relegated to uh, the professional Christians. It's not somebody else's job to get the word for you and then you just live out of that. So even last week we were talking about this, the idea of God speaking and giving direction for a people group, that the Old Testament model is what we see you know, with Israel in the desert. Moses goes up on the mountain on behalf of the people. He receives the word, he brings it down, and then he just tells the people, this is what we're gonna do. 
And in many ways, that feels like it would be easier. It'd be kind of nice just to have, how many of you love just to have someone tell you what to do? I tell my therapist that all the time. I'm like, can you just tell me what to do instead of like asking these really deep and profound questions that cause me to have to self-reflect on my own deepest will and desires? <laughs> but it's not true intimacy. And I think that's the really key thing here is that when we expect to outsource our intimacy with God to somebody else, to the professional Christians, um, we miss out on real intimacy with the Spirit of God now. Um, so that New Testament model, what we talked about last week, that like, you know, the Spirit was given in particular times, in particular moments in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, the Spirit descends on all of God's people. And then part of the process of being Christian is learning over time how to discern the voice of the Spirit of Jesus within each one of us. So learning to listen to God and listening for God becomes primary for us as Christians. It's not that we just have a different ethical structure. It's not just that we have a particular worldview. It's that we have this radical and ridiculous claim that we have intimacy with the creator of all things on a, on a universal level that also permeates into our personal relationships with God. And part of what I believe is that capability of hearing God's voice. I know this is where a lot of us struggle we believe, yes, okay, God speaks, but how is that, how do I receive? Um, and there's this idea of effortless effort or um, the flow state, sometimes it's called. And you find this in a lot of traditions, um, especially like in Eastern religions like Taoism, there's this idea of like just kind of being more open to receive. And I think that it's, it's something kind of more like that, um, where we are opening ourselves to receive from the Lord more than we're trying to manufacture something. This is what I've to told you about, you know, meditating on scripture, that we enter into scripture to allow it to speak something to us rather than analyzing scripture. Because that's what a lot of us, that's the capacity that's been robbed from us a lot of times by our school systems or even in, a, in our religious systems that you come to scripture and then you analyze it um, and you put it kind of through this grid or this matrix, and then you decide, is this accurate or not accurate? And that's what, how God's word works. Uh, when in reality, um, what makes scripture sacred is its capacity to open us up to receive some sort of revelation from God in the moment. And that's a harder skill uh, to attain. Again, in, in a similar way, like it's easier to outsource listening to the voice of God to Moses on the mountain um, it's easier to analyze scripture and not actually allow it to speak anything to us at all or to lead us into an encounter with Jesus. So, uh, that's why some of the most brilliant biblical scholars are atheists. Like they know exactly what the, they know what the Bible says better than you do. They just don't believe it, you know? Um, and so this effortless effort, it's not about manufacturing something. It's not about analyzing or coming up with a plan or a strategy. And it's also not about drumming up a feeling. How many were my Pentecostals at, right? Like it's not about like getting all riled up and um, having this like ecstatic revelation or whatever it is. It's about learning how to be open in the moment, how to kind of give up control or our manipulation of our intellect or our emotion in order to, to allow God to speak to us. So there's a lot of stories in scripture that show us some of these patterns of learning to listen for the voice of God. But the one that I really 
wanted to go to is in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I really, I love this story. Coming in the Old Testament, again, it comes in this strange time where it's like the people are learning, trying to learn how to rely on the voice of God, but it's not always there for them. Again, in a way that we can often take it for granted today. Um, and so we're at this period in Israel's history where um, God has appointed these judges to kind of rule and guide Israel. Um, there's this pattern in Judges where it says, and again, Israel did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then God uh, removes his hand of mercy and allows the Amalekites, the Stalactites, and Samsonites to all come in and kind of beat up Israel. And then, it, and that's what we call God's wrath, right? It's not that God like throws lightning bolts at us like Zeus, but God says, you know what? I love you so much. I'll let this play out. And then these other tribes come in and they begin to oppress Israel. And then Israel turn to God. That's what we call repentance. And they cry out. And then God sends a judge to come in to kind of save Israel and gather them back together. There's a cycle all through the book of Judges. And so it's coming to a point here pretty soon where Israel gets tired of the judges. They're not, uh, they're not kingy enough, you know? And so the big thing that Samuel does in the story is that they demand, Israel demands a king. Samuel, as the prophet, is going to come to God and be like, they want a king, even though you specifically told us in the book of Deuteronomy, I think like chapter 16 probably, uh, th this is not a good idea. And God goes, you know what? I, I'll, yeah, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it your way. And it's going to go terribly. And guess what, fam? It goes terribly. First king, pretty good. David, not the best. He's pretty good. And then from there, it's just horrible. You know, it's just like, it's, it's like a Xerox machine. You know, when you Xerox a Xerox and it just keeps getting, it's like, that's the kings of Israel. Um, so that's where Samuel fits in the story. But um, he's an interesting character in and of himself. So stop me if you've heard this one before. There's an old woman who cannot have children, and that's a point of shame. Yep, I know. I know this pattern. Hey, guys. Good. How are you? Great. Um, so there's the, you know, old woman, cannot have kids, point of shame in their culture. They pray to the Lord to have a child. Lo and behold, the, older, the old lady has a baby. Um, so that's, so Samuel already there is some, like a pre-type for Christ. You remember the, see, uh, like last year, the first series of the year we did was looking at typology and like the early images of Christ that we have in the Old Testament. Um, and so his mother, you should go read um, her poem that she writes after Samuel's born because it's literally uh, almost word for word what Mary uh, sings after Jesus's birth, uh, you know, about governments coming down and all that cool Christmas stuff. Um, and his mom dedicates him to the temple. So the firstborn um, sometimes would be like, in thanks to God, like I'm going to give him back to God. Um, so he goes to start serving in the temple under the priest at the time, whose name is Eli, as gratitude for what God has given. And there's this great little line in 1 Samuel chapter 2 where it says, now Eli's sons were scoundrels. So the word scoundrels is in the Bible, which I like a lot. Ezra, are you a scoundrel? You think about it and get back to me. It says, now Eli's sons were scoundrels. And that's important for you to know as we go into this. So we're going to read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. See, so that's interesting. Already when we're setting it up, it's not a common thing. And it's like sometimes we've talked about, there's a theologian said, like sometimes familiarity breeds unfamiliarity and unfamiliarity breeds contempt. 
So for some of us, it's like the idea of God speaking is so common, it actually becomes ordinary. Uh, and then we have contempt for the whole idea. But for them, it was very rare in that moment. So one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not know, yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So isn't that cool? Like already here, like God can speak to you and you don't even know it. So it's not like you have to go and become a professional Christian. You've got this like certificate of awesomeness and then finally you're qualified to listen. So actually, I think all human beings are capable of hearing the voice of God. As Christians, are, the only difference is that we know what God's name is. That's it. So it's not like we have this exclusive access to the voice of God as Christians and everybody else be damned. I think God is speaking to all human beings all the time. It's just that we know what God looks like in the person of Jesus. That's the only difference. That's what it means to be a Christian. So a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. <sighs> what a great line. I love that. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. Remember the scoundrels from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision as you would. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. And you're like, Eli, maybe that aggression you should have diverted to your scoundrelous sons <laughs> and not this kid. Um, if I ever become a parent, I'm going to memorize that line. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him, because shame works, guys. That's obviously what this story's about. <laughs> then Eli said, here's the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So there's kind of three things that I want to pull out of this story that I think help us to live into this idea that God desires to speak to each of you, but also that you're capable of hearing his voice. So number one, Samuel was, quote unquote, waiting on the Lord from an early age. 
So he was dedicated to the temple. He grew up in the temple, Eli as his, his mentor, his spiritual father, and he's going about doing religious things. Um, he was immersed in active participation. That was what it looked like for Samuel to be waiting on the Lord. And I know a lot of us are kind of allergic to that word religion, and we grew up with the like, oh, it's about a relationship, not a religion, or whatever. But what Samuel's story is showing us here is that you have to cultivate worship to keep you present and available to God. And I think a lot of times we don't believe that God is speaking or that we're capable of hearing it because we've tuned out. And I remember several years ago, um, this associate pastor that my dad worked with, this wonderful, crazy old Scotsman, we were talking about something he was saying, like when he does spiritual direction with people in their church, and they're talking about the crises they have or how they feel like they can't hear the voice of God or whatever it is. He says, well, where are you on a Sunday morning? Now, me being allergic to legalism, as many of you probably are, you're like, oh, how dare you? It's not about like going to church on Sundays. It's not about being in community group on Wednesdays. It's not about reading the Bible, you know, all that stuff. And you're like, yeah, I get that. Like, it's not about behavior modification and wagging your finger. At the same time, at the same time, it's like these cultural pendulums swing, right? Like, Previous generation, super legalistic, absolutely. And then we've moved on to grace upon grace upon grace upon grace where I have no, I have no responsibility for my actions or how I spend my time, my resources, my money. And I've, I'm stuck. Like, you know, if there's this legalistic version of religion where uh, God is this demanding behavior modification specialist, the other side is this, like, God is weak and pithy, and there's no connection between the things that I vaguely claim to believe and how I actually live my life. And so that should really make us jump up in our seats. It's not about where you're at on a Sunday morning. It's not about where you're at on a Wednesday evening. It's not about how much you read the Bible. It's not about how much you pray. But also, it kind of is. You know? Like, it, what's, what's, what's happening, spiritual maturity is really about taking external actions, sacred acts, sacraments, if you will, and participating in them. And as you participate, they start to move inward and deeper and deeper and become part of you. This is how we grow. When you were growing up, like you were probably asked to do chores and you had to show up for the family. This is certainly what it was for me Many of you know my mom, and you know there was like very early age. I was like you know, cooking and cleaning all these things. And you're, you're incensed when you're younger. You're like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. But if you're doing it right, at some point you begin to realize, oh, this is what it looks like for me to love my family, right? Like if you're doing it right and if, if you're raised well, you begin to realize, oh, I, have to, I can't just say that I love my family and then not actually do anything for them. And, just, and even more selfishly, just continue to, re, like, to benefit off of them doing things for me. That's selfish. But it's about allowing external acts to become part of my rhythm so that gradually they wheedle their way down into my core and they begin to transform me from the inside. And so if I don't have, like Samuel had from that early age, learning how to wait on the Lord, learning how to cultivate worship in a way that it keeps me present to the Lord at all times so when God speaks, I'm ready, then I cannot expect to really hear God speak to me, or at least I'll confuse it for something else. So this is secondly what we see in this story, that Samuel confused the call of God, the word, from something normal or conventional. God speaks to Samuel. Samuel thinks it's Eli. Um, and 
That happens three times before Eli goes, I actually, I know what's happening here. This is bigger than how you think the world works. And I think a lot of times, this is where many of us get tripped up. Like, we're present and we're attentive. We believe that God can speak. But when God does speak, we usually explain it away to make it something conventional. Oh, that wasn't the voice of God. That was just, you know, my ego or... I just manufactured that, or it was that bad pizza I had the night before, or that wasn't the voice of God, that was just Leslie talking to me, or that wasn't the voice of God, that was just this sermon that I listened to, or that wasn't the voice of God, I just read the Bible and got inspired. We, we do that, number one, because we, we don't want to be too audacious in believing that God speaks, um, and we want to bring it down into conventional means and go, oh, it's just Eli calling me. And we need people to go, well, maybe that is God speaking to you. And yes, God speaks to us through people. And God speaks to us through nature, and God speaks to us through scripture, and God speaks to us through the, the holy tradition of the church. Like, God speaks to us through things. Like, it's not always there's, like, the normal world and then this extra normal world where God lives, and then God just, like, gives us this radical revelation, although sometimes that happens. God speaks to us through very supposedly natural ways. So we have to believe that it is, at the end of the day, God speaking to us and not just convention. So we don't rationalize ourselves out of believing that God speaks to us because that might just be too wonderful for us to hear. And then the third and final thing from this story that I, I see at the very end, where it says, the Lord continued to appear. And what I love about this is it was Samuel's willingness just to show up and go, here I am, and that's the best I've got because I didn't even know it was you calling me. And then from that moment, when God begins to speak to Samuel, that changes everything for Samuel. It changes the way he sees God, absolutely. And he believes that God can speak to him. But it also changes the way that Samuel goes about his work and his business. I mean, it changes the way that God sees, or how Samuel sees the world through that revelation from God. And so a word from God, even a single word, can change what we look at as the year progresses. It can change how we perceive like what's happening in and around us. And that's what I, why I love us starting the year like this is, is to receive a word from God that maybe we don't understand, but as we're going through the year, as we're going through 2023, we just notice things a little bit differently and we begin to see maybe some of those patterns of what God's laying out for us or we're just more receptive to certain truths from God, whether it comes through our friends and our family or it comes from scripture or wherever it might come from. It just, it just shifts things oh so slightly that previously, if we weren't paying attention, we might have missed it. So what about the actual words that we hear? Like that's, that's more about like being in a space to receive from God. But what is it that we're receiving? I think words from the Lord are rarely prescriptive. They often open us up for possibility that surprises and delights us as the year goes on. Again, because we're such like pragmatic people, like Americans are very pragmatic. Like we like, we like it to be practical. And, and that's, that's bled into our, our, our gospel too. It's like, just give me the simple gospel. You're like, have you read that book? <laughs> Nothing simple about this. Because again, if it's simple, it doesn't really change you probably. Like it's radical and it's big and it's beautiful and it'll take your entire life um, to live into it. And even then you probably won't like understand it all, but it's beautiful and it's transformative, you know? 
Um, and I think oftentimes the way in like what God speaks to us is not prescriptive. Um, it can unsettle us. It can disrupt us in some of the best ways. We see this time and again through scripture, the way that God speaks to people. I've mentioned before, like Israel in the desert and they're like, okay, promised land, got it. Okay, what does it look like? What are the dimensions? What can we expect? Who's gonna be there? Like, what's the plan? And God goes, I'm with you. And they're like, cool, okay. But what can we expect? What's it gonna, you know, and that's how we are with God all the time. So a lot of times God speaks to us and you're going to be left with a word or a phrase, and you're going to be it just leads you to curiosity. That's maybe all you walk away with today. You're like, you're like, what does this mean? Manna, what is it? I don't know. Isn't that wonderful? And that's okay. You know, I briefly mentioned last week, like January of 2020, when we did this practice, like, so for me, I tend to not spend time thinking about it before we get to this Sunday, although this year it's been different. But I came in in January 2020, I had some ideas of what it might be, maybe something about joy or whatever. And then when I walked in, I felt like the Lord gave me the word apocalypse, which is a very long word to bang into a washer, um, first of all. So, God, that was pretty inconvenient. Uh, but you know what else was inconvenient about January of 2020 and the word apocalypse? Because I was like, oh, this would be interesting, God. Because the word means like revealing or unveiling. It doesn't mean like the end. So I bang it into a washer. It's on my keys right there, January 2020, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what this will mean for me. And then 2020 happened, and the apocalypse came, um, and it completely disrupted the entire planet and what it meant to be a human being, and it disrupted the church, like capital C Church. We started to say, what are we, what are we even doing? Like, everything that we took for granted in our society halted, like it just screeched to a stop. And we had to figure out like, what is happening? But the question really became, what has been previously beneath the surface that's now bubbling up to the top? That's what it means for something to be apocalypsed. And that happened in my life. I know it happened in many of your lives. I think it happened and is continuing to happen for the church, whether or not we recognize it, that the church has had to contend with a lot of the ways that we've been operating because we had a seat at the table in culture for so long. We took for granted a lot of our, uh, our racial dis- divisions or our um, you know, animosity towards certain people group or whatever it is because we were in a position of power. And then all these people walked away. And we had to say, well, okay, what's God doing? So sometimes you'll get a word. I'm not saying you need to have something like apocalypse, but maybe that's what God will speak to you. Please don't let it come true the way it came true for me. And you will walk away going, what does this mean? And that's okay. Or this is my other favorite kind of word from the Lord. It's a word that you know, but you're being invited to inhabit. Because I think a lot of times the most beautiful and profound elements of the Christian faith are the thing, like they're the most central things. It's not the obscure, like out there on the avant-garde, but it's like when God speaks to you about joy or love or grace and it's a word that you've, you've always kind of known, but you always come back to every once in a while, like every couple of years, and you go, wow, I thought I knew what grace was. But this was a year that I've learned to inhabit it in an entirely new way or entirely deep way. So in many ways, it might be a word that seems completely conventional and boring. But there's an invitation from God to delve deeper into one of those fundamental elements of our faith uh, calling you to inhabit. 
So here's what we're going to do. You were given a clipboard when you came in, um, and there's a sheet of paper that has two questions on it. The first question is this. What is the word or phrase uh, that the Lord is speaking to my heart that might shape my ear? Perhaps you've been preparing yourself, thinking into that. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're a, you're a visitor, and this is, like, absolutely terrifying. That's okay. I'm not, like, taking a test afterwards. You, you're, not, you're not compelled to walk out today with a word. We're just we're participating in an exercise. Maybe it'll take you some time, and that's okay. But I don't want it to be for a lack of believing that God wants to speak. Um, so what's a word or a phrase the Lord's speaking to your heart um, that might shape your year? Just tweak how you're seeing yourself, other people, the world around you. And then secondly, I think this one's just as important, really. Um, what are one or two practices that I can engage with that will keep me sensitive to God's word this year? We need rules of life. We need spiritual rhythms that keep us invested in the way that Samuel was invested so that we begin to see that the Lord continually appearing, speaking to us, shaping our day. So taking just, just one or two things, I think we can overdo it in spiritual practice and we make things very confusing for ourselves. We overload ourselves. But just what are one or two things that I could just shift? Um, maybe something that I'm already doing and I want to just commit to that a little bit more. Maybe it's a new practice that I want to bring in. We'll probably talk a lot about spiritual practices this year. Is it learning how to Sabbath? Is it learning how to really believe that Scripture is sacred and not just a, a check mark that you have to put off? Is it showing up to church every Sunday and believing that God wants you to be here and actually getting here on time so that we can like worship together? <laughs> Again, what I learned from this Scripture today is shame is very effective <laughs> in getting children to do what you tell them to do. Um, but perhaps that is what it is. It's taking worship seriously again. Whatever it might be, like to have a, 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 an ecosystem of practice that helps us to stay connected, I think is incredibly important. So um, I'm going to give you two to three minutes to think through that. Um, and then I'm going to bring us back. I'm going to pray. And we're going to enter into worship. And then you'll be able uh, to go over here and turn that word into a little uh, keepsake, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to pray, and I'll give you those couple minutes. Um, so Lord, we, we, we testify that you are still here, that you desire to speak to each one of us, and that each of us are capable of hearing your voice. Lord, we all have a lot of barriers in the way to that kind of belief. Either we don't believe that something like that could happen to us, um, we don't believe that we're strong enough, cool enough, faithful enough to be worthy of your attention. Um, we just don't have the self-confidence to believe that we have ears that can hear. But God, you have crafted us. It should, it, over time, it will become the most natural thing in the world for us to have this type of intimacy with you. So Lord, wherever we're at in our journeys today of learning how to hear your voice, I pray that you would surprise and delight each one of us by what you speak, by how you share, um, that we might leave this place rejoicing because we have met you face to face. So speak, Lord, for we're listening. I'll give you two or three minutes.
So I want to give you permission to continue working on that, of course, um, if you need the time. Um, But we're going to transition into worship. And what you're going to do is there should be like a little colored circle that was on your clipboard. Um, You can take that if you're ready, and you can move over into this side room, and Katie Cottle is our resident button specialist. Um, Do not touch the machine. She will come after you. Um, But she's going to help you just to make a little button, kind of a little keepsake that perhaps you can keep it in your car or on your jacket or something, just as this visual reminder, like this thing that you can hold and touch and see to go, ah, yes, that is what the Lord is inviting me to this year. Whether it's the most, you know, wacky, out there, manna, what is it word from the Lord, or it's the most conventional, seemingly boring thing that you know, I know there's something there for me, and I want to see what the Lord does. So I want to invite you to stand. Um, I'm going to pray, and then some of you can move over there if you're ready and form a line uh, to start creating those buttons. And for the rest of us, we're going to worship. We're going to offer our attention to God and to grow in intimacy with him and learning how to live into who he's called us to be. So God, we thank you today that you are a God who uh, speaks, Um, that you are not like so many of the idols of our culture that are wooden and lifeless and powerless, Uh, but that you are spirit, you are breath. You are closer to us than our own breath. You know us more intimately than we know ourselves. And Lord, I pray that over this year, we would be surprised and delighted by how you guide us, what you show us, what you speak over us, what you heal within us that changes us to make us look more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit, We invite you to continue to do this work in us right now to speak over us what you want to say. That not only do we receive a word or a phrase from you, but we also begin to think about divine strategies on how we can steward that word well to keep ourselves invested and present to you. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak, to move in this place. We pray all of these things in the strong and the blessed name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.